Now, we're not going to be about, you know, slogans and all this, whatever it may, it may be. Um, the best player going to play, you know, the toughest dude going to play, and uh, ain't no fluff. How bad is number two on it? Calvin Ridley for six. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons related in the official Atlanta Falcons podcast of the Fan Sided Network. My name is Jesse Head, host of the show. And guys, for this episode, we're going to talk about the first preseason game. Uh, that we had last night against the Tennessee Titans with most of our key starters out. Um, Kyle Pitts did dress out but did not touch the field, so that was a big tease. I was real excited about seeing him get out there, but we didn't get to see him get out there, so I think we'll see a little bit of him next week in our second preseason game, uh, which is the official uh, dress rehearsal for all the key starters that are uh, that we have on the team, so we'll get to see them dress out and play maybe one or two series, something like that. Um, but I did not get to watch the game in full focus. I was at, and this is a long one here, I was at my brother-in-law's wife's grandmother's 70th birthday. So couldn't really focus on the game too much, and even if so, I couldn't really remember uh, what was going on. This is this is a hangover edition of the Heads Up podcast, guys. So it was a good time to get the whole family together, man. I'll tell you what, she's 70 years old, but that woman likes to drink, she likes to party, and she likes to have a good time. She's my kind of woman. So it was fun, man. We all got together, had some fun uh, family shenanigans, and um, had the game on in the background. But I didn't get to really lock in on it. So I woke up this morning because I'm a dedicated uh, dedicated to the game, if you will. And I rewatched uh, the game this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're mostly going to talk about the defensive side of the ball because the offensive side was just absolutely terrible, which is expected with a bunch of you know young players. And it's the preseason. The offense tends to look worse in the preseason. Uh, but it was a whole bunch of stink. Just complete yike city uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But we're going to get into that a little bit. But again, mainly going to be on the defense. So we're going to talk about some of the players' stock that went up um, from this preseason game. And then we're also going to talk about some of the takeaways from the game overall from a schematic standpoint and this, that, and the other. Um, but I'll tell you, after watching that game, I'm not too concerned with the offensive side of the ball because you know we got we have Matt Ryan, we have Calvin Ridley, we have a Kyle Pitts, we got Mike Davis, we got a couple you know solid guys on the offensive line. There's going to be some figuring out there, but I still think it's going to look a little bit better than it did last year. But I'll tell you what we do have after watching that game. We got a defensive coordinator in Atlanta. We all hate when we lose our balls in the rough on the golf course. Well, imagine how your girl feels with all those pubes around your pearls. It's a bad look, bro. She does not like it no matter how much she pretends she's okay with it. That's why I'm telling you about Manscaped.com. You've seen the ads and the commercials before. They are the top provider for all your trimming needs to make sure you never nick those pearls down below. They've got a brand new lawnmower 4.0 made specifically for a comfortable trim. This is top of the line stuff, guys. Get the performance package, and I can get you 20% off and free shipping using the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll get their lawnmower 4.0, weed whacker for those annoying ear and nose hairs that you get, crop preserver ball deodorant, 
Crop Reviver Toner Performance Boxers, and you're going to get a travel bag uh, to hold all the ball stuff that you've got there in. Now, you're only going to get this deal here at the Heads Up Falcons podcast. So go to manscaped.com, use that code I told you about, FANSIDED20, for 20% off and free ship. So we're going to kick this thing off talking about uh, the most obvious and the most exciting takeaway from our first preseason game, and that is the pass rush that we had. I'll tell you guys this right now. My new favorite person on this team, franchise, whatever the hell you want to say, is Dean Pease, our new defensive coordinator. We had a big soundbite from the offseason, one of the more popular ones from Dean Pease specifically, and that was that we'd be blitzing when we got off the bus, and we'd be blitzing from everywhere. And that promise was certainly fulfilled with a very aggressive and creative blitz is called uh, that we saw throughout the game that allowed some of these younger talent dudes to uh, really show their skill sets out there. And that's something that we've been missing for a long time. Um, you look back at the Dan Quinn era and the, the pass rush never came to fruition. Uh, before that, you can't think of much other than since, you know, John Abraham and the one, you know, um, the one off year with Vic Beasley. We just have not had much of a pass rush. And those defenses that we had previously were truly predicated on the fact that you had an extremely talented, gifted pass rusher that can go out there and win one-on-one battles. What we saw a lot of... Uh, in the yesterday's game was very creative pass rushes, stunts, you know, bringing the house, um, attacking one gap. Specifically what we saw of a lot of yesterday was attacking the A gaps um, in between the center and the guard. A ton of that was going on. And um, it was just fun to watch, man. It's a relief. It's refreshing to see that type of defense being called. Um, It's exciting, man. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most is I cannot wait until the regular season when we get to see what he was doing yesterday be implemented with Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, Deion Jones, Foise Aluakin. We saw a lot of middle linebacker blitzes going towards those A-gaps and stuff, stunts, different things like that. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, man. Really fired up for that. So, this will be a little bit difficult to follow along because it's a podcast, not a YouTube channel. But I want to talk about some of the plays. I'm going to try to, and it's going to be bad, but I'm going to try to talk, like create a picture, if you will, of some of the plays that we saw. I'm even going to put some timestamps in there from the game and stuff. If you record it, you want to go back and look or something like that. If you're a nerd like I am when it comes to the football um, defensive side of the ball and alignments and all those different things like that and what's happening. Um, but I want to talk about a play that happened um, just to show the examples of what Dean Pease is doing and how just impressive and exciting it is and things that we haven't seen in a long time. But I want to talk about at 5.33 in the first quarter. So five minutes, 33 seconds left in the first quarter. Um, this uh, play resulted in a sack. Um, in the formation and alignments that we had was we had Jonathan Bullard in there <clears throat> at a two-eye technique. And then we had Marlon Davidson at a four technique, which he had a hell of a game. We'll talk about that later, too. He is, he is obviously one of the names of the stock rising uh, guys, for sure. And then we had Ogundeji. Um, I've been making myself look really stupid with this name, so I practice it. See if I can get it down. Ogundeji. Ogundeji. That's his name. Ogundeji, our fifth-round draft pick. Um, he was way outside the tackle as kind of an outside linebacker defensive end, probably about three yards off the right tackle. And then Jacob Tootie Mariner was 
on the opposite side, outside the left tackle, probably about three yards as well. Um, and then we had two linebacker, middle linebackers in there, Michael Walker and Earl Thompson. And they had one of those guys uh, up at the line of scrimmage in the A-gap. <clears throat> and then Michael Walker was off the line of scrimmage. They blitzed both. They blitzed everybody on the line, and then they blitzed uh, both middle linebackers, Walker and Thompson, up the A-gap. But with Earl Thompson and Marlon Davidson, they had them do a stunt or a twist, as some people like to say. And basically that's where they, in the middle of the play, right at the snap, they switch their um, – responsibilities to confuse the offensive line, which is something we didn't, we haven't seen a lot of in the past couple years. But it switched that. L- l- offensive line goes into chaos. Michael Walker uh, and o- uh, Ogundeji get back there and get the sack, half and half. Absolutely beautiful, creative pass rushing, something we haven't seen in a while. That's the first example. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch when you've got guys like Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler and these dudes that have the the bag of pass rushing skills under their belt to be able to, to implement these things and make them work even better than these guys can do it. Next example, I want to talk about something that we've discussed on this podcast before, specifically on the episode we went into detail, talking about Dean Pease and the things that he likes to do, but um, that is crowd the line of scrimmage. And um, he does a lot of different things with it. He'll crowd the line of scrimmage with seven different defenders, and sometimes he'll bring the house. Uh, sometimes he'll drop uh, two or three of them back in zone. Sometimes he'll keep them in, in man-to-man coverage, whatever it may be. But this specific example, he blitzed the house, and it paid off. And the reason that it worked out so well is because he did this several times throughout the game and did not bring the entire house and gave the quarterback and offensive line different looks of what happens when he does crowd the line of scrimmage. But in the second quarter, at 54 seconds left on the clock, um, we had formation here. We had two down linemen, one at a four-tech directly over the tackle and one at a three-tech on the outside shoulder of the guard. And then we had um, two middle linebackers in the A-gaps, at the line of scrimmage, though, so in between the center and the guard. And then we had outside linebacker Michael Walker at a five-tech standing upright. All of these guys on the line of scrimmage, and not only that, they were also in a bunch formation. So it had brought over one of our cornerbacks, and they were also looking as if they were going to blitz as well. Meanwhile, our safety, Jalen Hawkins, is is, is in the box probably about six yards off the line of scrimmage. They hike the ball. Everybody blitzes, except that cornerback that I said was brought over in the bunch. He drops back into man coverage. Um, And Jalen Hawkins comes on a delayed blitz up the A-gap and absolutely destroys the quarterback. They didn't pick him up on a block. It was was beautiful. Something that we haven't seen in a long time. I... You look back at Dan Quinn's era, and I can maybe think of once, maybe twice, where we brought the entire house. We're already seeing that on full display in our first preseason game, and you can only imagine what that's going to look like with Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, Deion Jones, and all these guys that have all these skills that they can bring to the table when it comes to pass rushing and the abilities that they have. So, Two just solid examples of what we can look forward to in this season from the defensive side of the ball. 
Now, that brings me to the offensive side of the ball, which was disaster is a good way to describe our offensive performance, specifically the offensive line uh, from our, our first preseason game here. Keep in mind, Jake Matthews did not play. Chris Lindstrom didn't play. A lot of people did play on the offensive side of the ball that I thought would at least get a series or two, like Kyle Pitts. Um, we didn't see Russell Gage out there. We didn't see Alamide Zacchaeus, which is weird not seeing a guy like an Alamide Zacchaeus because you think he's a person that may be fighting for that third-string receiver role um, against maybe like a Christian Blake or someone like that or Tajay Sharp. And we did not see them out there. Maybe that's a product of the fact that we have a roster cut this week, uh, cutting down the roster to 85. So maybe they felt like, hey, we know these guys are going to make the roster. We'll decide you know, where they fit in on the roster in the later games and then through training camp. So let's find out what we have as far as what we want to keep on the roster in this first game. Whatever it may be. I thought at least we could have seen them in for a couple series or something like that, um, but that did not happen. But back to the offensive line, wasn't many bright spots out there through this game. Josh Andrews was a guy that I watched closely uh, because this was an offseason signing that we looked at to be somebody that could take on a starting role um, in this offense and just a bad performance. Um, he was getting beat. He was getting knocked off balance. He was getting turned sideways getting turned around on plays, and just did not look good. If this is the backup plan that we had, if Drew Dahlman was not a guy that could work out at center uh, because Matt Hennessy may beat him, and we'd move Drew Dahlman over to that left guard spot, if this was the guy that we had in mind to take on that role if Drew Dahlman couldn't do it, not a very good look um, in his first showing. Now, it's the first preseason game. I'm not going to get too, too ahead of myself, but left guard at this point is a major concern. Um, as we move forward with the season um, with the, the performance that we got from Josh Andrews. So um, now good news is we have some money in the bank. And I think the ultimate reason that we haven't spent that money on a player yet is because they wanted to find out where they wanted to allot that money towards. And I think that is obvious now that we need to allot the $8 million that we have in the bank to sign somebody towards that offensive line, whether it's getting two guys or one guy that we feel very confident about or whatever it may be. I don't know what's out there right now. It just depends. Um, but we do have that money there, and I think that that is the direction this is going to go. I would not be surprised within the next week or two if we see a, um, a signing at the offensive line somewhere, um, specifically at the left guard role, because what we saw out there wasn't good. Jalen Mayfield had a good first quarter. Uh, from when I rewatched it, I, I think for the most part, what I saw from him in the first quarter was pretty good. He did end up allowing a sack before the end of the game, but he's a rookie. So I, I saw some people on Twitter and stuff shitting on his performance and whatnot. I'm not going to get that ahead of myself because I saw some good things out of him, a little bit of bad in there as well, um, but he looked pretty solid. At the end of the day, I think the right tackle spot belongs to Caleb McGarry. Um Caleb McGarry was coaching him up on the sideline. He was communicating with other players, kind of really providing a leadership-type role, and I think they feel confident that Caleb McGarry can take on that role pretty well at right tackle. But overall in this game, outside of the starters that we have, outside of the promising players that we have, um, the offensive line looked pretty rough. We'll get into some quarterbacks next, as that seems to be – Kind of a hot topic uh, amongst this fan base is finding out who's going to be our backup quarterback 
and who could potentially be uh, the quarterback of the future. A.J. McCarron started out the game for us, looked pretty damn bad as well as the offensive line did, but behind that offensive line, I think any quarterback would look bad. I think that Aaron Rodgers would have a bad showing behind the offensive line that we saw in our first preseason game. He threw two picks. Um, One was horrendous, the one down the middle of the field. Uh, It was just a bad decision, a bad pass overall. He should have never never made that pass in the first place. Um, It was picked off uh, to put the the, um, Tennessee Titans in good field position. And then uh, the second one looked really bad at first, but if you go and look at the replay, the ball did get tipped, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but he didn't do much in the first quarter worth talking about, to be honest with you. I tried to look up some more details and stats and things like that that maybe we could get into uh, on A.J. McCarron, but I don't think he really got a fair shot with the offensive line that um, with the offensive line performance that came out of that game. So a lot of people are saying there's no reason we should have ever signed A.J. McCarron. He's awful, and he probably is awful, but at the end of the day, with that offensive line – that was not a fair evaluation of what A.J. McCarrick can be as a backup quarterback. Felipe Franks came in after um, uh, at halftime, starting out the third quarter. Um, he's getting a lot of love, of course, from the fan base, and I think that his showing was certainly better than A.J. McCarron, but he's getting a lot of you know love because our fan base is obsessed with dual-threat quarterbacks as the ghost of Mike Vick lives in their head with every evaluation of any quarterback that ever comes to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he did do some solid running around in the backfield and um, escaping pressure and things like that, but didn't show much promise in the passing game. He did have two passes uh, that were dropped by uh, receivers, Um, and they were decent passes. There was one down the middle of the field and then um, one to the right hash, thinking about the 45-yard line for about 15 yards uh, that was dropped as well. Uh, But of these two guys, Felipe Franks certainly showed more promise, Um, but at the end of the day, I I wouldn't get your hopes up for a – you know, four or five years down the road, a future Felipe Franks leading the uh, the offense down the field. Next up, let's get into these players that have their stock going up after that first preseason game. Uh, first player on here. Oh, and before we get into the specific players, to no surprise, every single one of these players are on the defensive side of the ball. And I think uh, three of the four are um, defensive linemen or linebackers playing um, in the front seven on the defensive side of the ball. So um, my first guy on this list is Ogan Deji, uh, who had an incredible performance. Y'all probably heard the announcers talking about how well he was performing out there. And this is the kind of shit you want to see in your first preseason game with a new regimen. Uh, their fifth-round pick showing up big time in the pass rush in the preseason game. He's 6'5", uh, 260 pounds. This is someone that could be a huge bonus to this team in the regular season. If he can perform um, his way into a, a rotational player, and if somebody gets injured, be a person that has the ability to step up and be a journeyman for a season. Um, he's got size, strength, speed, uh, he's got all the things you need to be great as long as he can develop those pass rushing skills. And it looks like he's off to a great start. He just needs the you know he just needs to make sure that he uh, learns more moves other than you know his best move is probably a stab move. 
um, or a bull rush type move, and he needs to be able to, to put a spin in there. He needs to be able to put a chop, swim, all the different things that you need to do to be a great pass rusher. And if he can develop all those skills, um, he can be extremely successful. So he's got a ton of upside to him. Um, that was the reason they drafted him to be a project, and he seems to be way ahead of the curve uh, from that first showing. So a lot of upside to Ogundeji. And the big knock on him when he was coming out of college is his lack of pass rush moves, what I just talked about, and the fact that he's very inconsistent um, in his ability um, to perform on the field. And he's not very balanced. He can get off balance and struggles with locating the ball. But from the performance that we just watched, it looked like he was doing pretty well for himself out there. So he is somebody that has his stock rising up, certainly on this roster. Next guy on the list, this should be no surprise either, Dorian Etheridge. Nothing but textbook plays coming from this dude. He tallied up 13 tackles. He's an undrafted free agent out of Louisville uh, for this new regimen. He was all over the place and making a ton of tackles for loss, constantly fighting through the traffic at the line of scrimmage to make plays, which is something you want to see in a middle linebacker. He had a ton of those um, plays where he fought through the, the all the traffic at the line of scrimmage and made a tackle for a loss or made a tackle at the line of scrimmage or for a short gain. He was extremely impressive. The biggest knock for him, I think, on this roster is going to be we have we if there's one area we've got depth. It's at the linebacker role. So you see like Foise Oluokin and, and Deion Jones and some of these guys that we have, and you wonder kind of where he fits into there. He certainly fits in on the roster as a backup or something like that. But when you see a player perform this well and you know what you have there, you, there's, there's a part of you that really wishes that he could be you know out there on the field and stuff. So uh, I don't think that we're going to see him burst into a starting role or anything like that, but his stock is certainly rising on this list. He had an excellent tackle for a loss in the second quarter at uh, 8 minutes and 37 seconds left in the second quarter. Um, or uh, Yeah, in the second quarter, 8 minutes and 37 seconds on a second and five. Uh, it was a run play to the outside where he locates the hole, shoots through, wraps up the legs, and then Kaminsky comes in with a big hit to clean it all up. And that's what you want to see out of a middle linebacker, man. And he had a ton of those. It's just one of the many examples of where he did that. That was just the one that stood out because the big hit from Kaminsky. Um, next up here, Marlon Davidson. Now, I know that he was already high on the list, but I, just, I wanted to put him on here because after what we saw in 2020 from him, it wasn't extremely... Uh, impressive. He battled some injuries. He got on the COVID list, a lot of different things. He actually even admitted that he got caught up in the off-field NFL life. Uh, he said he's a you know a guy that was young and got a bunch of money and got you know caught up in some things. I don't know what the specifics are or what that is, but he says he's figured that out and learned that he is quote unquote a country boy that doesn't need all those type of things. Um, so he's another guy that was all over the place. We talked about him a lot. Um, in other episodes and a guy that needs to be one that steps up and becomes a potential starter or a strong rotational player. And he was doing that. In the run defense, pass rushing, he was making plays everywhere. Uh, he even had a solid play. I think it was in the second quarter as well um, where uh, it was a pass uh, to the running back and he came up, read, read it perfectly, and made a good tackle. Um, also in the second quarter, about seven minutes uh, I think seven minutes, ten seconds left in the second quarter. It's the timestamp for you. He had a pass rush move uh, from the one technique, which is weird because I thought he'd play a lot of three technique and five technique, but uh, a solid pass rush move from the one technique where he did a little in and out stab move 
uh, to the outside shoulder of the of the uh, left guard and nearly sat the quarterback, but the quarterback had to throw it away. So, you know, in today's time, they basically record those kind of quarterback hits and rushing the uh, passer um, is just as much. So uh, Marlon is a player that, you know, has to be one of the more improved pieces on that defensive line if this pass rush is going to be successful. Um, and I think he's certainly one of those guys. If he can step up and be an impact player with Grady, Fowler, Deion Jones, and some of the other guys, this could be a really solid um, front seven. And we're going to need that with the cornerback play um, that we have on the defensive side of the ball. The coverage is going to be a weak point for us with the players that we have. But if we can develop a solid um, pass rush, it can make up for that and uh, make this defense look a lot better than it really is. And then Jalen Hawkins is my final guy of the stock rising. Jalen Hawkins put forth an incredible performance. We already went over a play when we were talking about Dean Pease. Um, uh, pass rush and some of the examples that we saw from the preseason game earlier in this episode. But Jalen Hawkins uh, had a great performance, and it wasn't just him um, from a pass rush perspective from that safety role and playing inside the box. He was making plays outside of the box, doing a lot of different things, and he could be a big one. And we haven't seen much of uh, Richie Grant, which is I've talked about that on the previous episode where I talked about it was a little bit of a concern that we haven't been hearing a lot about Richie Grant. And um, Jalen Hawkins, if he's performing well and can be one of those guys that can play in a Dean Pease defense where it requires you to be able to play a lot of different roles, play in the slot, uh, being able to drop back deep in coverage, being able to play inside the box and do all the different things that Dean Pease wants a safety to be able to do, um, he can certainly uh, certainly be a huge hit for this defense. So I could see him, uh, if he continues this play to rise up, um, go Falcons, rise up, uh, to rise up into a um, kind of a Swiss Army knife safety type role uh, because he was putting some, some solid performance on the field uh, fourth. Um, in this first preseason game. And then my honorable mention is Chris Williamson. Now, I saw I saw a couple people out there, several people, um, in the Twitter sphere, if you will, and on Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff like that. They were talking about Chris Williamson and all this hype. There was a lot of hype coming from about him from training camp, um, if you're unfamiliar, and saying that he was putting forth um, a really good showing. He had solid effort out there. He was always making plays and different things like that. Some people were taking shots on him for the touchdown that happened on the back shoulder pass and some of the other uh, things that were happening out there with receivers being able to catch balls on him. But the thing that I noticed in in these in these plays is that Chris Williamson was all over the ball. Now. The difference of college in the NFL is in college, when you're all over the ball, most likely, if you're in a, if you're in a receiver's race, they're not going to catch the ball. But in the NFL, it's a little bit different. And you can be all over the ball, and the receiver's still going to make the play. right? But the most important thing is that he's there to make the play. And that back shoulder pass, he was he was right in the receiver's pocket. But the receiver made a great play. Several other uh situations like that as well throughout the game, but he was right there to make the play. And that's where the coaching comes in. And that means that if this guy's right there to make the play, but he's not making the play, he, and he but he has the he has the ability to make the play, 
then he can certainly he's he's right there. He's a person that just needs to be coached up. He needs to be able to do it. He need he tried to turn his head around to make the pick on that back shoulder pass. What he should have done uh, was been in his face, trying to block the the lanes that the ball could come and where his eyes were going and where his hands were. He wasn't doing that. But he was right there to make the play, and he's somebody that I think his stock went up, even though it may have looked like from the eye test that it was not a good performance. So overall, there's one solid takeaway uh, that we have from this game, and then that is that we're going to blitz uh, the quarterback. We are going to have a pass rush one way or another. The offensive line didn't look good, but you got to understand you know, this regiment's not going to come in here with a strapped salary cap and be able to fix every single issue on this team. Uh, it's going to take time. It's got to be baby steps. And the first baby step is that, hey, we're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback one way or another, whether it's linebackers blitzing, safeties blitzing, cornerbacks blitzing. We're going to find creative ways to get pressure and help out a what is likely to be a struggling uh, you know, uh, defensive uh, backfield. And he showed that with these players. These are second, third, fourth string players uh, out there. And he certainly showed the ability to find pressure with those guys. So you can only imagine what he's going to be able to do um, with these with these other guys. And you know, from an offensive line standpoint, that was a really, really bad look. I won't argue with that with anybody. But we did have our main two starters out in Jake Matthews and uh, Chris Lindstrom. And then Matt Hennessy seems to be a lock at the center spot, and they feel very confident about him. So that looks like three spots are, are pretty locked up. And then as questionable as people are about Caleb McGarry, I feel pretty good that he can come in and be a solid journeyman at right tackle. So that leaves the main big issue <clears throat> at that left guard spot. And it, every team has one – position or two you know one or two positions on their offensive line that they're trying to figure out uh and get better so um I can't help but to think it's got to be a little bit better than previous years but the most important thing is on the defensive side of the ball we're going to get pressure on that quarterback we're going to do creative blitzes we're going to confuse the quarterback uh we're going to find ways to get pressure and uh, that's what we did man that's that's what Dean Pease uh showed with this first preseason game and you can't help but be excited about it All right, guys, that's a wrap on this episode of the Heads Up Podcast. Make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Make sure you leave a five-star written review. It helps out the podcast a ton. You can follow me on Twitter at Heads Up Falcons. You can follow me personally on Twitter at JBHATL. And you can follow me on Instagram at Atlanta Falcons Podcast. Hit me up. Uh, talk to me let me know what you think of the show let me know what you want to hear and I'll be sure to include that on the future episodes big shout out to my producer for all the hard work that you put in on making the podcast sound great appreciate all your work Jason everybody out there thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time